Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to the show. Here's a really interesting episode. Today I want to talk about what we touched on last week with Victoria in really reclaiming our divine sexuality. Now I get that Victoria was really talking about kind of the divine feminine, the divine feminine sexuality, because she works predominantly with women. But I really wanted to touch base for all of you out there, for men and women, or however you identify even, as to what you consider getting in touch with and connecting to your divineness, right? Your sensuality and your sexuality within. Because I think so many of us have often been taught that sexuality is tied to things like sex, right? Or how you dress or how you act in a certain way. Like if I act very sultry and I talk with a very kind of like sexy and sultry voice, not that that in any way, shape or form was sexy and sultry. I know that when I was younger, I was told that I have bedroom eyes. I'm like, what? What the hell does that mean, bedroom eyes? And I think it's just, you know, I kind of laugh because I think it's interesting that sexuality is so tied within our own identities, whether we identify as a man or a woman, whether we identify with our genitalia, whether we identify as someone who is savvy when it comes to sexuality and, and, and you know, making love or having one night stands or we're, we're charismatic when we talk to, you know, potential romantic partnerships or dating. And the truth is, I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. And I can say that partially because of my friendship with Victoria and our conversation last week and the things that she went through by living in a very ultra conservative and kind of dictatorial country, as well as to some degree a family unit. And you can listen to last week's episode to hear more about that and her story. But she brought up a lot of really valid points about how we reconnect and tap into that deeper power within ourselves. And I think that's where sexuality, sensuality, and real power comes from. And I think that's about really being connected to our divinity and to the deeper part of us. And it also stems from the fact that I spent five years as a sex therapist. And it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? Did I have sex with my clients? Did they get naked? Did we talk about sexual things all the time? And it had nothing to do with that. As a sex therapist, I actually worked with a a world-renowned psychiatrist who had been on 2020 and 60 Minutes and written a a best-selling book. And she had started a clinic many, many years prior. I think by the time I started working with her, she 
had already been running the clinic for about 36 years. I, I don't know if she's still alive, so I don't want to talk about her in the past tense, but her I'll say her name is. She very well could be passed at this point. But her name is Dr. Domina Renshaw. And she worked at a Loyola University Medical Center in Maywood, Illinois. And she had run this clinic, this sexual dysfunction clinic, for about 36 or 37 years by the time I came to her many years ago. And one of the reasons I, I want to talk about her for a minute and, and the power of her program, because I think this relates so beautifully to us connecting to our sexuality and our sensuality and our power. And I think that's pretty important because I think most of us struggle with that. I know I've struggled with that. And I absolutely, in talking to Victoria last week, had some uh, myths busted, really, you know, some ideas in my own head about what that meant. Well, my time with Dr. Renshaw, she she's, uh, was a, she was, I'll say was a psychiatrist because she did retire. So she was this psychiatrist who had been housed between a gynecologist and a urologist. So you had a medical doctor who dealt with female issues and you had a medical doctor who dealt with predominantly male issues. And she was finding that these two doctors were recommending their patients to see her because there were sexual issues, right? There were some sexual dysfunction issues within their lives and their family units with their partners, and they were referring their patients to Dr. Renshaw. And so over time, she saw the importance of creating a sexual dysfunction program that was designed to help that couple move through those sexually dysfunctional issues. And that was basically how the program developed way back in, I, I want to say it was the 60s. So being the 60s and the fact that, you know, the era that we were going through here in the United States at the time, this very revolutionary, you know, peace, love, get in touch with yourself kind of thing, the university was open to this clinic program with the caveat that the couple had to be married. And that kind of stuck through the entire program. You know, Loyola is a, a, a Catholic system. And so they wanted to adhere to some of their religious principles and that the couple had to be married. And her clinic program got to be so successful that it landed her the opportunity. I mean, she obviously wrote this book and it became a bestseller. And then she, you know, went on 60 Minutes and 2020. And she was really, she was truly world renowned for her work that couples would come from around the world to attend this clinic. And the idea behind her program was that it was a seven-week program that we offered at the clinic, whereby each couple got five hours of therapy one night a week, just one night a week for five hours over the seven-week period. And Dr. Renshaw had like a 96, 98% success rate because the predominant thing that she really taught the couples to do was to reconnect not only to themselves first, but to each other as people, not from a sexual place. And what that really allowed the couple to then do is to dig deeper to the issues that were giving rise to the sexual dysfunction issues. And I worked with Dr. Renshaw in the clinic for five years. I learned an enormous amount about 
what kind of gives rise to sexual issues and sensuality issues and connection issues with ourselves and with each other. And she only ran the clinic like three, maybe four times a year. And so it wasn't like I worked with her every day for years, for five years. But I, I did have the the blessing of being able to learn, you know, under her and grow through my work with her and learn enormous amount. And what I found, and this was earlier on in my career, what I found to be so powerful about Dr. Renshaw's work was that she really taught people how to reconnect on every level other than from a sexual place. And the sexual place that they had been taught was sexual, right? Like it's your genitalia or it's having sex or it's, you know, touching your body or touching another's body. And I think that one of the things that Victoria was really driving home last week in our interview together was that that's the same. It's about connecting to that more divine place within yourself where power can emerge, where passion can emerge. And that means power and passion within myself for myself even, right? And that, yes, of course, it's about self-care and it's about you know sensuality and how we kind of move through the world. But it's not gender-based, it's not genitalia-based, and it's not about sex itself in really understanding your divine sexuality. And as we've seen over the years, more and more people identify in different ways within their own personal identity regarding their given gender or how they feel inside, or even sometimes actually having reassignment surgery, it, it's more about how we're really feeling inside and connecting. I mean, I'm not going to get into a debate ever with anybody regarding, you know, reassignment surgeries or, you know, transgender issues or should or shouldn't this be some label we use or not. I think that people are people and we need to, to freaking stop this judgment on what I perceive as something different or I don't understand or agree with. And I have to judge it or I have to give an opinion about it or I have to try to convince somebody else what is or isn't okay. If we as a global society can return to a place where we honor one another for those differences instead of being afraid of them, I absolutely believe that we can have a heaven on earth and a peacefulness on earth that transcends a lot of the fears and a lot of the bullshit that's going on in the world today. I mean, take COVID out of it even. Take the fact that COVID has created a massive disconnection in a lot of people's worlds right now because of the way we're isolating and the way things have shifted, the way we do business, the way we eat, you know, out of the home, like going out to dinner or not kind of thing, going and getting takeout, bringing it home, like so much has changed. And we have no idea what this is going to mean for the future, that we have to kind of get back to the basics. And I think that, you know, with what Victoria had to go through, to find that place of power within herself that allowed herself to become 
more divinely sexual and sensual and powerful in her own beingness is really a testament to what we need to do as well as a human species to just really learn how to reconnect to ourselves. And so I know that, you know, in my conversation with her last week, like one of the myths that was busted for me was that I kind of did look, even though all this time I spent with Dr. Renshaw in the clinic, there was still that part of me that was looking at divine sexuality, like feminine sexuality, tied to like kind of how I dress or how I speak. And you all know that I say swear words and that I'm as real as real can be and I'm so down to earth and I just tell it like it is. And there was still a part of my mind that said, that's not very sexual or sensual. That's not very feminine, right? Because I still had this idea about femininity and what that means. And that means I still had this idea about masculinity, right? Like masculine means the rough and tumble kind of man who is kind of like lumberjacky and he's strong and he's tough and he can, he could protect you. He could save you from, you know, even look at our games, right? Our video games, the damsel in distress. And here comes the prince to, to, to save her. Well, we're inundated with those kinds of messages all the time. And because of that, then, no matter how hard you work to shift your belief systems about, let's say, what femininity means or masculinity means or sexuality means or sensuality or even power, we still bring forth a little bit of that past conditioning about kind of those words and and those ideas, right? And so... You know, even though Victoria and I did the episode, we recorded it a while ago, and it just aired last week, I had all this time to really dig a little deeper within myself and really reflect upon what is my definition of femininity or masculinity? What is my definition of sexuality and sensuality? And I I keep coming back to the same thing that I did when I was working with Dr. Renshaw. And when we were working with the the clients, the couples who were going through the program, and that was that it's about connecting to ourselves. And it's about me honoring what I think and feel and what my belief systems are. And so what I came up with is that femininity is really more about, honestly, I'm having trouble even while I'm talking to you right now with those words. Because I still think they are so loaded with their own inherent kind of conditioned biases and meanings that it's hard for me to even use that word, femininity or masculinity. Because to me, again, it's kind of got a built-in meaning. You know what I mean? And and I, I have trouble with that. But it is language that you know, we are familiar with and you probably identify with and know and and stuff. And so I guess I'm going to ask you as I share what kind of my definitions have become over time and over the years. And then since my, my interview with Victoria, I want you to consider that you may have some of your own biases or 
meanings around those words still. And I would invite you to consider that if you could strip away the word femininity and masculinity completely and just bring it back to a humanity, a humanness, a personness, right? How could we define that for ourselves individually as really being able to connect to that divine sensuality and sexuality and power within you? So I'll I'll use the terms to give you just kind of how I came to the definitions myself, but then I invite you to kind of reconsider that, okay? So for me, femininity then has kind of become synonymous with a more nurturing, loving, compassionate, empathetic, caring kind of set of traits, right? I see that, and, and again, I truly don't see it as feminine or masculine, but if I had to label it separately and put them in their own little categories, then I would say femininity is a little bit more of that, kind of that nurturing, that lovingness, that empathy, that caringness, that you know, gentleness, okay? And then masculinity is more of that stronger, tougher, get it done, fix it, and can also be very compassionate and empathetic and kind and loving also, but it's done with more of a focus on action, okay? So I guess it boils down to more of a feeling state and emotions, a little bit more feminine maybe, and the more doing and action state that's more potentially masculine. But again, that's a tough one for me, that I don't really see it as a separation. I honestly believe that we are all both feminine and masculine, that we have, you know, you've heard the terms like yin and yang, and, you know, we have to have, if we go back to kind of a a deeper spiritual understanding, we have to have the light to have the dark. We have to have the right to have the left. We have to have the up to have the down. These things don't make quote unquote sense all by themselves without the other. We have to have the duality and the polarity. Because if I said go left at that intersection and there was nothing to compare it to refer to as far as what right means, you wouldn't have any idea what left means if you'd never been taught that before. Left from what? Like, what does left mean? Well, it's the same, I think, in a lot of ways with sensuality and sexuality, is that it's like, okay, well, how do I find that in myself? How do I connect to myself? And I think it really becomes a question of what makes you feel good? In your movement through your day as a human being, as this spiritual being living in this human experience form, and and working to navigate through life as it happens. How do you show up in the world as you? Do, you? do you diminish your voice because you're afraid of looking too strong or too tough, right? How many times have we heard that like, if a man as a leader in a company is kind of tough and strong and he lays the boundaries down and he kind of, you know, keeps his team in check, he's a good leader. But if a woman does that, oh shit, she's considered a, a bitch because she's being too aggressive, right? And we talked a couple of weeks ago about passive aggressive behavior. So inherently in just that word even, 
there is a a kind of a male and female kind of meaning overlaid on that, right? It's kind of like a very subtle, maybe not so subtle, kind of um, inference, right? Uh, Passive, oh, more female. Aggressive, oh, more male. Well, it's the same in sexuality. That like, you know, this guy who's looking for a date, he comes on kind of strong. He's being kind of, you know, an arrogant jerk, right? Or the woman, if she wants to ask a guy out and she's asking, you know, somebody out for a date, if she comes on, quote unquote, kind of strong, wow, she's being a little too manly. She's being a little too forward and forceful. And the truth is all that's bullshit. It's it's all is bullshit. All of it. We have had to evolve as a society over time where we learned these roles, right? We learned these terms and these words, and they meant specific things like male and female, feminine and masculine, good and bad, right and wrong. But the truth is, look, nothing has any meaning whatsoever save for the meaning we give it. And we are taught to give things meaning based on how we grew up and the family units we grew up in and the culture we grew up in and the ethnicity we grew up with and the religion we might have grown up with, the spirituality we might have grown up with. All of it plays a role. We are absolutely a sum of all that we've experienced up to this point. And I would invite you to consider that if some aspect of that part of your life is not working for you, then you need to take a deeper dive look at it. And what I loved about the conversation with Victoria and divine sexuality is that we can come to a place of divinity within ourselves, which I really believe all that means is that we are really working to stand in our 100% authenticity and alignment with who we believe we are at that moment. And if who we believe we are is someone that has to act a certain way, or say a certain thing, or do something specific in order to be seen a certain way, well, then we're going to have a problem because we're giving that power away to how other people may see us or how they may think of us or what they may feel about us. And I think one of the beautiful things that Victoria learned to do was through her upbringing in this very conservative, very kind of dictatorial country where a lot of rules were put into place and things were very specifically laid out and the boundaries were set. And, you know, God forbid women weren't really allowed to cross those boundaries. Victoria kind of lost herself in that for a while, went the opposite direction, hung out with kind of quote unquote all the wrong crowd and did some crazy things and really was touching base now with her quote unquote masculinity, her masculine side, and came back to a center of balance over time where she used you know, kind of really took both sides and and created a balance for herself. You know, and I I know we hear about that balance thing all the time. Like, you know, there's some schools of thought that we can never really balance our lives. And there's other schools of thought that says we absolutely can put balance into our lives. You know, I, I always used to use this example, and I, I think I've used it in past podcast episodes here, whereby 
you know, I was like, put your hands out in front of you, palms facing down, have your hands level. And if there's no movement in your hands, pretend your both hands are like the sides of a scale. And if no weight gets put on your hands on either side, like a scale, there's going to be no movement. And my belief system is that over time, just like an actual scale that never has any movement and you keep it outside in the elements of the weather, over time, that scale is going to get stuck. And the mechanisms that move those sides of the scale are going to lock up. They're going to rust out or lock up or whatever, and you won't be able to move either side. So anytime you put weight on one of the sides of that scale, nothing's going to happen and actually maybe could even break, right? Because the the mechanism is so frozen, unused, and rusted out, let's say. But that's not real life for us, right? Yeah, we can absolutely get stuck, but real life is that we just don't want each side of the scale to be swinging super high or super low. Kind of like the old seesaw at the playground. If you're a little bit older, you remember the seesaw where two people got on a, one on each end and they had to balance out. One went, you know, pushed off the ground and went up and the other one went down. And then that person pushed down off the ground and went up and the other side went down. We don't want those kinds of drastic swings of the up and the downness in our life. That's where we get and feel kind of stuck. We're either not moving at all and we get stuck in a certain mindset and certain behavioral pattern. And it's like that frozen scale that's not able to move either side, or we're like a seesaw, huge swings up and huge swings down. What we want to see is a bit of balance in between where there's a little movement on each side of the scale all the time. And I think that that's what Victoria did is she took the the highs and the lows of the very ultra-conservative, dictatorial country and regime she lived under, or even her family unit and their ideas and ideologies and belief systems about you know male and female and the roles they play. And she took all that in. Then she went out as a, as a teenager and young adult and lived quite the opposite life and a much more kind of masculine life kind of life and tough life, right? And then she found a balance that swings up and down a little bit between both of that for herself and came to a place of real divineness in herself, a place where she could really be free to be assertive when she needed to be and still be feminine and true to herself, sensual and sexual and powerful and compassionate and loving and tough and assertive and you know a go-getter and a doer and an action taker but she balanced out both sides for herself and i think that that's an important piece for us to aspire to so i would invite you if you're struggling with connecting with yourself and figuring out who you are and what kind of suits you, what makes you happy, what makes you feel a sense of joy and peacefulness, what helps you to feel more connected to yourself and others in order to be a nurturing person and a compassionate, loving person and a kind person and 
a person yet who can take action and make things happen and get it done and who can set boundaries for yourself and stick to them. And that includes good self-care activities for you. If you're struggling with that, then ask yourself, where am I giving my power away? Where am I not being 100% authentically aligned in my own life? Am I keeping my voice quiet when really I want to speak out? Am I not sharing things that I feel or opinions I have because I'm more worried or afraid about others being um, you know, critical or judgmental? Am I afraid to make decisions because I'm worried about it being the wrong one? Am I concerned more about failing and being rejected? Am I worried that I don't have enough value or worth? Like who would listen to me or what I have to say? Or do I want to leave this relationship and I don't know how because I'm afraid of being alone or out on my own or I don't even know if I could you know, make enough money? Maybe I, I don't work right now and I'm, I'm male or female, doesn't matter, and I don't work right now and I'm afraid of doing it on my own. or you know, especially in light of COVID situation right now, right? There are so many areas in our lives where we oftentimes aren't really living our highest, truthful, honest self. And there isn't some place to achieve. Like you're not really going to know some big, drastic, different place where you're being more in your divine sexuality and your divineness, your power, your passion, your purposes, your, your heart-centered heart voice, you're not necessarily going to know that as drastically as you would if you went like dyed your hair, right? Or you went and bought a totally different style of clothing. That's pretty obvious. What I can offer up to you though is You'll really know when you're living in your more heart-centered, heart-voiced, truthful, authentic, aligned place, when you know that you're being you. I know that sounds so esoteric. Like, what the fuck? What does that mean? Well, if I go to a meeting, let's say, and I'm with a couple of strong people in the meeting who they are, you know... They, they always speak their mind and they have a lot of opinions and they're pretty good. You know, may, maybe they're leaders, right? In this, in, in this company or at this company meeting or something. And they're like the ones that are usually in charge. Let's just pick one person. They're usually in charge of the meeting and they're kind of dictating how the meeting is going to go and the topics that are going to be talked about and kind of, you know, the way the meeting is going to be laid out. And you have an opinion about something and you keep yourself quiet and you don't share your opinion because you're afraid of getting yelled at by this leader, like maybe being judged or, you know, oh, that's stupid or, well, you know, that's not really part of what we're doing right now or I don't, I don't see how that fits in or, you know, why do you think that way? Anything like that. And maybe you've had that experience before and so you keep silent. Well, you're not living 100% fully aligned and authentic to you in that moment. So it's like, how do I then speak that truth when I may be up against someone like that in a business meeting 
with the company I work for. It's my job, right? I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be known as the person who's, you know, arguing back or always, you know, got a different opinion or whatever. Like, I, I just want to keep the peace. I just want to keep things smooth sailing, right? I don't love this job, but I like it and I need the money and, you know, I, it's okay. I'll just keep the peace. That's fine. I get that. And we all do that sometimes. But don't delude yourself or lie to yourself into thinking that you were being authentic because you weren't. So even if you make the choice not to say anything in that kind of an example and that kind of a situation, still know that you were holding yourself back. You were not speaking your truth. And again, there may be good reasons for doing that sometimes. I'm not saying just go out and be 100% you all the time in every situation and never care about anybody else around you because that, that, that would kind of be jerky too, right? Like just that kind of maybe arrogant jerk who doesn't care about anybody else. But when you have a, a blend of that empathy and that compassion and that caringness and that kindness and that lovingness along with what have been termed a little bit more masculine things before, like, you know, strength and doingness and protection and boundary setting and action taking. Well, you know, we can blend them both and really find our own divine sexuality. Just like, you know, this show, just like this you know, podcast episode on the show, The Spiritually Expressed Human. It is about navigating the human experience by being the spiritual badass that you are. Now, typically the word badass was, was often referred to men and that masculine place, like he's being such a badass, right? And it had kind of a negative connotation, almost like, you know, this hoodlum, right? This, this, uh, you know, gangbanger, this like, you know, someone who's a badass, like you don't want to mess with them because they'll mess you up. Right. But that's not at all what it has meant over more recent years now. And that's not at all, obviously what I meant by living as the spiritually expressed badass. That's your birthright. What that means to me is that being the badass is that you are willing to be who you are regardless of how the rest of the world takes you or sees you. And that's not always easy. Don't get me wrong. There's not some clear cut, do this, then this, then this, then this, and boom, you got it. All, game over. It's all good. It's about evolving and finding your way through and navigating those twists and turns in the pathway of your life that allow you the opportunity to become more of who you are and make that choice instead of feeling like you are railroaded into a reaction and an automatic thing that really is giving your power away. And so it, it's about me saying what's on my mind and what's coming out of my mouth without worrying about what you think or if you'll continue listening to the show or if you think I'm an idiot and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't worry about that stuff. The only quote unquote worry or concern or thought I have is that I hope that as you're listening, there is something of value here for you that you can take from each episode and apply it to your life in a way that helps you continue to evolve and be the best version of you and become that spiritually expressed badass that you were born to be. 
whatever that means for you. And with that then means connecting to our deepest self, who I am at the core, right? Without the roles that I play and really diving into that and allowing that person to show up. And that allows me then to be feminine. If we want to use the terms femininity and masculinity again, it allows me to put the label on of being feminine in some respects. And again, femininity doesn't mean this very gentle, soft, hello voice, how are you today? To me, that doesn't mean femininity at all. Have I known women and men who talk like that? And other people, myself included, have said, wow, that's kind of a feminine trait. But that's because we've been indoctrinated into those terms since we were little kids, right? Like girls play with dolls and boys play with fire trucks. Like who the fuck cares? Let the girl play with a fire truck. Let the boy play with a doll because it will foster what we call the male and female, the masculine and feminine parts of them, which I believe we all are both. So we have to have the elements of both within us, no matter how we've defined them and labeled them, in order to feel a a stronger sense or a deeper sense of balance in our life and a truthfulness and an honoring of our own selves. And then when we do that, we are more connected to our deepest, highest part of us, which is sensual and sexual and beautiful and just, it's amazing. It's the diamond that's shining within. It's the light that's within that we you know, try to snuff out and squish and hide and hold and put away in the corner because we're afraid of a lot of things. And so I really loved, you know, how Victoria shared the story of her evolution into a place of really tapping into her divine sexuality, which includes deep love for herself and for others. It includes self-care for herself and care for others. It includes compassion and kindness for herself and to herself and for others. It's about loving ourselves and feeling a strong connection to ourselves that feels very loving and protective and like I'm being held by my own self. So one of the things that you can do right now is when you can write it down anyway, if you're driving, awesome. But at some point then, write down all the ways you love and care for yourself right now. And then write down all the ways you aren't loving and caring for yourself. And put that list down on a piece of paper for yourself or, or you know, record it into a voice recorder that you can listen back to to see where are the areas that you are not really connecting to yourself. Where are you not giving love and compassion to yourself? Where are you giving and and putting out so much energy out into the world around you, but you are not recharging for yourself? And then take some of those action steps that can help you reconnect. That's sometimes even just giving yourself a big old hug. Sounds weird, but actually it works and it creates and gives off, you know, causes the brain to release different biochemicals that feel good in the body, right? So give yourself some tender touch and a hug, your own hug. Do the things that excite you and make you feel calmer and more relaxed. Reconnect with yourself, whether it's through writing or taking a walk in your grass, 
walking in nature, whether it's listening to certain pieces of music, some actions that you can take to connect. And I guarantee you will come to a place where you'll be able to define what your own divine sexuality really means, what your own divinity means, how what, what really your own connection means to yourself. And if you're struggling with any of that, you know, look, I'm here. Reach out to me. Go to susandesenzi.com. Fill out the contact form. Let me know what your thoughts are, what your feelings are. Let's get on a call together. I am always more than willing to get on a call with somebody for 30 minutes or less and help them through something. We can do a lot in that short amount of time. And I guarantee that if you're struggling to connect with yourself, then you're going to continue to have struggles in the outside world too. And you just don't have to. I'm not saying everything's smooth sailing and easy peasy 100% of the time because it isn't. Never is. But my life right now is so different because I have these tools and skills at the ready in my toolbox and I use them a lot and, you know, all the time that I don't get caught or stuck for too long anymore. And when I do get stuck with something, I reach out to others who can help be my mirror. And I'm always willing to be your mirror. So I hope that you will step into a place of wanting to touch base with your divine sexuality within, with your divinity and your power and who you really are at the core. Because I guarantee you, you are a spiritually expressed badass that just hasn't caught up in the human form yet to feeling that way. And it is possible. So I love you all. Thank you for being here as usual every week and have a spiritually expressed badass kind of week. Have a beautifully, divinely, sexually, sensually powerful week. And I will talk to you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.